In the late 1800s, Providence was a dense center of manufacturing. It was the leading city in the U.S. for wool and jewelry production, and the third top producer of machinery equipment. From the 1860s to 1900, the city's population tripled as waves of immigrants came to take advantage of the jobs this growth in manufacturing produced. These jobs were demanding. The work was hard, the conditions were sometimes unsafe, and the hours were long. Three shifts of manufacturing developed. So, at night, while much of the city slept, there was a whole population of people awake. Either working or finishing up a shift and heading home. And for those people, mostly men, the late night hour may as well have been lunchtime or dinner time, the middle or end of their working day. At the time, there were really no businesses catering to the late night worker. Restaurants were closed, so anyone out after dark, whether it be that factory worker, a newspaper reporter, or a theater goer, was kind of out of luck when it came to food. That is, until one Providence man started a business serving food out of a horse-drawn wagon to those out late at night. And the idea took off. Those food carts became known as night lunch wagons. Today, that business sounds a lot like a primitive food truck, but it's also pointed to as the very first diner, and also probably the grandfather to modern fast food chains. So it kicked off a chain of evolving businesses that had a significant impact on American food culture, which is pretty amazing. And I'll tell you more about that. But another really amazing thing about that very first night launch wagon is that we still have one in Providence today that's pretty true to the original idea. One that traces its origin back to the late 1800s, just 20 or so years after that first horse-drawn wagon hit the streets. If you've been to Kennedy Plaza at night, you know the business I'm talking about, though you might be surprised to know how old this restaurant on wheels really is. I'm Sarah, and you're listening to Weird Island. Each week, I'll be telling you about the strangest stories I can dig up from my tiny little state of Rhode Island. And this week, I'm talking about the big, shiny, stainless steel piece of Providence late-night culture that is Haven Brothers. The year was 1852, and an 11-year-old boy named Walter Scott set out to find some way to supplement the small income his widowed mother was able to earn. He landed on selling candy, fruit, and newspapers on the street of Providence. As he grew older, he continued to evolve this approach. By age 17, he was selling sandwiches and coffee to men who were out late at night taking advantage of that demand for after-hours food service. But Scott didn't plan to peddle food forever. He wanted to join the military, but when he tried, he was rejected for bad eyesight. So he left Providence, heading to New Jersey to try his hand at farming instead. But that didn't work out in his favor either, and soon he returned to Providence. Back in the city, he got a job working for a Providence newspaper, 
And in between editions, he again began supplementing his income by selling food and coffee to fellow night workers and others who were out late. By 1872, he realized this could be a bigger business. So he gave up his newspaper job and used his savings to buy a small freight wagon that he filled with homemade food, sandwiches, pies, and coffee. And then with the assistance of a horse named Patient Dick, he rolled the wagon up in front of a newspaper office and set up shop. All of the food was homemade ahead of time. The cart itself didn't have a stove or any facilities for preparing food, but it had the advantage of mobility. While there were other street peddlers selling bits of food here and there, he was alone in selling from a cart that allowed him to move from workplace to workplace, catering to newspaper offices and factories that employed night shift workers. The business was a hit. Scott sat inside the wagon on a wooden box, sheltered from the elements, while customers ordered through windows on either side. Given the late night nature of the business, some of Scott's customers could get a little rough around the edges and occasionally might even try to make off without paying for their food. If he thought that might be the case, he would reach out and grab the customer's hat as collateral until the man paid. So would often find himself with a stack of hats piled beside him each night. Soon, others joined Scott on the street with their very own horse-drawn food carts, or night lunch wagons, as they started to be called. Coming out each night at dusk, the lunch wagons would pick up business after restaurants closed. Around 1888, the concept made its way from Providence to Worcester, and it's there that the night lunch wagon caught fire and became an industry. Another early American entrepreneur, Thomas Buckley, became the first to manufacture and sell these wagons. And he made some important additions. He added cooking stoves, sinks, and refrigerators, which made the business more productive and broadened menus. He called his first night lunch wagon the Owl, but would eventually become famous for his line of wagons called White House Cafes. These were elaborately decorated white wagons, with red and blue colored glass windows and paintings of landscapes, hunting scenes, and moments of historical importance on the sides. And it was likely one of Buckley's White House Cafe models that made its way back to Providence in 1893 and was established as Haven Brothers. The business was founded by a widow named Anne Coffey Haven, who had immigrated to Providence from Ireland. When her husband died, she used the money left to her to purchase the lunch cart from Worcester, and she named it Haven Brothers because, at the time, it was relatively unusual for a woman to run her own business. The eponymous brothers were likely her sons. By catering to the late-night crowd, Anne Haven was able to provide for her family. Each night, the cart would be wheeled out onto the Providence streets next to City Hall, where factory workers and newspaper men and people out at night lined up for food. Night lunch wagons got so popular that they would actually create traffic and block roads if operating during the day, and people started to complain. So many towns and cities passed ordinances that restricted hours of operation. 
Generally, they mandated that the wagons be off the street by 10 a.m. So each morning, Anne Haven would wheel the cart away for the day. But others weren't as willing to comply. Many night lunch wagon operators saw the strict nighttime-only regulations as limiting, so some started settling down. They abandoned their horses, planted their businesses on the side of roads, and transitioned from mobile to stationary operations. And this is the moment in time when the night lunch wagon began its transition from a mobile food operation to the classic American diner. And I want to tell you more about that evolution, how the night lunch wagon that catered to working men made its full transition to the diner catering to the middle-class American family. But you'll have to join me next week to hear the next steps in that evolution, because Haven Brothers wasn't really along for the ride. It is pretty much operated in the same capacity since it was established in 1893, making it one of the oldest restaurants on wheels in America, and kind of a time capsule. It's basically still a night lunch wagon. Every evening at 4.30, it's wheeled out to the street beside City Hall, and each morning, it's wheeled back to its daytime home on Federal Hill. Although now, it's pulled around by a truck, not a horse. The wagon itself is in its third iteration. It's no longer that Buckley White House Cafe model from the late 1800s. Today, it's a big silver 1949 diner car with a walk-up counter and stools inside. And if you check out the side of the diner car, you'll actually see it says 1888 on the side as the founding year, though it's pretty well established that that's incorrect. The Haven family owned the business until 1953 when they sold it to the Malacone family. Later, it would be sold again to the Giusti family. The Giustis still own and operate Haven Brothers as a family business today. The menu likely looks a little different from when the business began. Menus from other night lunch wagons around the turn of the century included things like sliced ham sandwiches, sardine, cheese, or chicken sandwiches, baked beans, clam chowder, pies, boiled eggs, hot dogs, coffee, and tonics. The hot dogs have remained on the menu, but even those might be a little different now. Haven Brothers serves up wiener-style dogs or the Piggly Wiggly with bacon and cheese sauce. And you can't forget about their classic dish, the Murder Burger, which features American cheese, bacon, mushrooms, grilled onions, lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise. Online reviews warn that in order to enjoy the Murder Burger, you should be prepared for grease and drips to run down your arms. That's the right way to eat it. Haven Brothers today serves up that kind of greasy food that tastes best late, late at night, after work or after leaving a bar or club. And the restaurant serves everyone, from bar hoppers to college kids to well-dressed politicians. It's a place where worlds collide. The Giusti family recalls times when musicians performing at the Dunkin' Donut Center around the corner have stopped by. People as big as Billy Joel... Actors performing at PPAC have made appearances. And of course, longtime Providence Mayor Buddy Cianci loved the spot. But not everyone feels the same way about Haven Brothers. 
even as night lunch wagons grew in popularity, they were seen as a bit seedy, a bit rough. Places filled with coarse language and heavy food. Around the turn of the century, a business mogul in Worcester accused the infernal lunch carts of killing the city's economic development. They make Worcester so cheap, nasty cheap. No other city on earth would stand the lunch cart nuisance but Worcester, he said. If we want to progress, keep up with the times, and make business good, we'll have to stop being a cheap city and stop being cheap men. And it seems that in 1986, Providence Mayor Joseph Paolino Jr. felt similarly. There was an effort to modernize downtown Providence and attract new business to the area. And Paolino decided Haven Brothers just didn't fit with the new vision for Kennedy Plaza because of its unattractive quality. So he had the diner move three blocks away to a less visible location. But I'm guessing he had no idea how powerful the backlash would be. People were truly outraged. They accused Paolino of trying to destroy a Providence institution in favor of trendy business. The mayor's office was flooded with letters and phone calls from people insisting the diner be allowed to stay by City Hall. In response, Paolino said he did what any intelligent politician would do. I folded like an accordion, he said. So Haven Brothers still occupies the same spot today that it occupied almost 130 years ago. We owe a great deal to our friends who've been eating here for years, and to our friends in the press, said one of the owners. They know what Haven Brothers means, and that you can't separate the location from the food without losing something important. The business has survived changes in the restaurant industry, changes in how people live, and how and where they choose to eat. It survived that attempt to move it, and it survived a pandemic. Haven Brothers is a piece of living history, a moment in time. It's truly a night lunch wagon for the modern consumer, one that didn't evolve alongside its competitors into the diner as we know it today. And while everyone might not feel the same way about it, it's impossible to deny that it holds some sort of power. Even Paolino was forced to admit it. He said, if it's possible for a diner to become a folk hero, then this one has done it. So go get yourself a deliciously unhealthy murder burger and some fries. And meet me back here next week to hear the rest of the story of the night lunch wagon, how it settled down and evolved into the truly modern diner that we're familiar with today. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your family and friends. Or you can send me a note at weirdroadisland at gmail.com or find me at Instagram at weirdislandpodcast. And if there's a topic you'd really like to hear about, let me know. See you next week as we dig up more stories about all things weird and wonderful in the little state of Rhode Island. Until next time.